0: beautiful. You are listening to the Africana Woman podcast. I am your host Chulu. Ladies, it is April, like a whole four months into 2021. Can you imagine? Time is flying. I'm overexcited about the theme for this month and I can talk about this topic for days on end. It's something that we all have. But before I tell you what it is, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much to to you who comes to listen week after week like I really appreciate you and I love you but I have a little favor to ask so would you help me to get the word out about this podcast and you can do that with two simple actions you can either rate and review the show on iTunes or you can share it with a friend can you do that for me Oh, thank you, darling. It really helps to get the word out about all of the goodness that is here. So, drumroll please. The theme for April is health. Listen. Our last guest, Juliana, she said it so eloquently that everything starts with your health. No matter how much you are empowered, you know, you can go to course after course, you know, go to university and all of these things. But gal, if your health is not on point, you will not progress. Health encompasses our physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, mental health. Your health is literally your wealth. So we need to get that in check. Because when I start rolling out all of the gold from more amazing Africana women, I want you to be able to receive it and run with it, not to be held back by your health. Like this month is the month that we are graduating. Eh? <laughs> We're getting to the next level. If you are new to the Africana Woman podcast, this is what I want you to know. Every week, I ask an Africana woman to invite us into her home and she gives us a snapshot into what happens behind her closed doors. She is not famous. She is simply the girl next door. She is just like you. I hope you will join me on this journey of discovery, revelation, and self-awareness. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Africana Woman Visionaries. This is the premier network for female entrepreneurs of Africa descent. You can learn more about the visionaries and how you can be a part of this amazing group of women by visiting at Africana Women on Instagram or Facebook. Our guest today says that not only is health important, but it all starts in your mind. Once you are clear about what your mind is set on, everything else flows. Vuyi Nemapare really is a light like I love her energy like it literally envelopes you So, Zimbabwean-born Vuyi is a mindset transformational coach. She is a speaker and a health and well-being consultant. She is also the host of the podcast Mindset Intentions. Vuyi is passionate about empowering women to build wealth and a legacy. She holds a bachelor's in communication systems management from Ohio University and an HNC Health, Fitness and Exercise Certification from Aberdeen College in Scotland. Please enjoy this powerful conversation that I had with Vui. Vui, welcome to the Africana Woman podcast. I'm so excited that you're here.
1: This is absolutely an amazing opportunity, Chulu. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. Thank you for having me on your platform this afternoon. I'm actually really very, very excited to be here and I really just believe it's such an honor to be uh, here with you today. Thank you.
0: Uh, all right, let's get started. So you are my um, my neighbor. You're from Zimbabwe yes. and currently you're based in the UK. But yes. we would love to know what has that journey been like?
1: Ooh, do you have until December 31st? Uh. <laughs> um, it has been a, an incredible journey. And for me, I would actually really say it has been a God-ordained journey for me personally, because the truth of the matter is I actually really didn't intend on being in the UK. Mm. Um, So with everything that has happened with me from the time I got here, oh my goodness, it's been quite uh, a a few years. Um, There's probably people who have been born and got married during the time that I have just been here (laughs) that's how long it has been but uh to actually say I am grateful you know I am grateful to God that even though it may not have been what I was planning you know in my life but then the way that things have just panned out it has actually been for my good you know there's a scripture in the Bible Romans 8 28 that says all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. And it is so true because I have seen how things have just worked together, you know, for my good, the bad, the good, and the ugly. You know, I always give um, uh, a scenario of baking a cake. You know, when you're baking a cake, what you have, you've got the various ingredients. You've got flour, you've got butter, you've got milk, you've got eggs, you've got salt, you've got sugar. Now, all those things in and of themselves individually, you you can't really kind of eat them. You know, you can't eat the butter on its own. You can't eat the flour on its own. You could barely drink the milk and maybe have a raw egg. But when you mix all those things together and you mix them in a particular consistency, and then you also put them in the fire and you kind of heat it up to a certain level, after a while, you come out with this amazing cake. So that's really how I tend to classify my life, that all the experiences that I have had have are really working for good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everything is perfect, but trust me, things are better than what they could have been. So you're asking about the journey. The journey has had its highs. The journey has had its lows. The journey has had its, you know, stable moments. Um, it, it has had its, its difficulties, but it has also had its, you know, successes. And all those things, I, I, I take them to mean that it's part of my journey. It's part of who I'm not only am now, but who I am also becoming.
0: Mm. So which town are you from in Zim? I'm from Bulawayo. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. That's where
1: I was born and raised.
0: Yes. Ah, and, um, when did you, um, set sites for, I believe it's
1: the States. Oh, well, for the States, I set site uh, in 1985. Mm. That's when I went to university in Athens, Ohio. So I was there from 1985 to 1989 when I graduated with my with my bachelor's. I then moved to Michigan. Uh, I was in Detroit, just outside Detroit for about two years. It was just too cold for my Um. liking oh yeah (laughs) I mean Ohio was cold enough but Michigan I mean took it up a notch and I said no thank you and after two years I flew south I went to Texas where Ah. it doesn't snow where it doesn't get as cold I said Mm -hmm. well this is a little bit more familiar to me you know Africa is kind of like a little bit familiar so that was my journey there.
0: Ah, so you started out doing communication systems management. Was Mm -hmm. that the career path? Because that's completely different from what you're doing right now. But you know, when you were in the states, was were you doing um, you know communication systems?
1: Well, very interestingly, because the my, my degree and what I loved about the modules that I did was it was so wide and so varied. I did uh, courses, you know, modules in, in business law. I did modules in um, uh, uh, newspaper editing you know, I was actually quite surprised. And then obviously, the, you know, communication systems in terms of, you know, telecommunications and, mm. and the whole thing. I mean, I could even build a circuit board. I can't believe that. Well, don't ask me to do it now. <laughs> but back then, I could actually build a phone circuit board. I'm sure you guys don't even know or understand what <laughs> a phone you know. circuit board is because everything has gone digital, but it had to start from somewhere. Okay. <laughs> so, um Yeah, so that's that's pretty much what my you know degree entailed, and I I love the fact that it was so wide, it was so varied that it opened me up to so many different opportunities, you know, um, in terms of work. So interestingly, I um, actually got a job working in a finance environment, and I was actually quite shocked, you know, at myself, but you know, I well, I qualified for the job, so, you know, I went in. But mm-hmm. I was working for a, for a brokerage firm, a stock brokerage firm uh, in the city of Houston, you know, and prior to that, I had been working as a, you know, retail manager, you know, as well. So I've had my feet in, in all different places, but you find that in all those places, obviously, you know, customer face is the most important thing. And it's not only just about being able to sell, but really being able to sell yourself, you know, and communicating clearly, communicating, you know, strategically. So I didn't actually end up getting into telecommunications as such. However, interestingly, when I did go back to Zimbabwe, I did get a job, you know, um, in an environment that was telecommunications related. So I was then able to, you know, use a bit of my, you know, background and uh, the degree that I had had in that environment.
0: So when did you go back to Zimbabwe? What was happening? Like, what was the, the environment like at that time?
1: Well, when I went back to Zimbabwe, really, it was because my mother got sick. That's oh. really the main reason why I went back. But thank God she did get well. And by the grace of God, she's still with us today. But uh, it's because my mom had gotten ill and she had really gotten quite sick. And I hadn't seen my family in quite a, a number of years. So, you know, my dad was like, eh, You know, you might kind of want to come home, you know, and just uh, just in case, you know. But then I I think I became the antidote, you know, for my mother getting well because, uh, you know, she was on the path to getting well, you know, by God's grace. So when I went back to Zim, um, again, I was not intending, you know, on staying, you know. But this amazing opportunity of a job literally landed on my lap. I wasn't looking for the job. The job literally came looking for me because there were some people who caught wind of the fact that I was back and, you know, just started talking to them. And one thing led to another. And obviously my mom said, oh, please stay, please stay. I was like, okay, all right then. So I did. Now at that time, um, I would want to say it was around 1999, 2000, and Really, to be quite honest, things were good, you know, in Zimbabwe. Things were really good. I had a a fantastic job um, that afforded me a company car. And uh, was living, really enjoying, you know, my my life, you know, in Zim. There were so many opportunities and people were really beginning to move forward, you know, advancing. So many changes were taking place economically, business-wise. And what really actually was impressing me even most was the rising up of women. You know, at that time, you know, you were finding women, you know, occupying all kinds of, you know, uh, positions in different industries, you know, whether in business, in government, in politics, you know, in medicine, everywhere. You know, it was it was it was just great. It really was very good at that time.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so weird because just this weekend I was having a conversation with a friend and I was. Explaining how I was in Zim when it was that Y2K turnover. So mm-hmm. we had come for the holiday in 1999, that Christmas holiday, and then we're like, Are we gonna make it? Is the world gonna end? <laughs> Just turning <laughs> over into 2000. <laughs> and then it was like, Oh, we're still here.
1: <laughs> I remember that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you're saying that it, it was really good, I remember that. Yes. I remember, you know, you know, we came to Zim and we came to do our shopping yes. and we, you know, we bought all these beautiful clothes and, you yes. know, we were doing all that tourism and all of that great stuff.
1: But OK, so then what happened? What what happened with you? Um, well, with me, again, it became sort of like a an economic issue because then one could just kind of see that things were just beginning to spiral uh, in a direction that uh, one didn't really want to wait to see, you know, how things were going to pan out, you know, and it it was quite saddening for me because um, I, I obviously, you know, I'm in Zimbabwean. I'm very proud of being in Zimbabwean. I, I love my home. I love my country. However, sometimes you you know you end up making. Certain decisions, you know, based on the life that you want to live. And sometimes it just ends up taking you outside of your own, you know, familiar environment. So things were beginning, you know, without getting into the politics or anything that was happening, things were just beginning to go a little bit, you know, on the left field side of things. And I just, and at that time, a lot of people were just you know, the country was getting what I call a brain drain. You know, a lot of people, you know, who had all the skills, all the qualified industries and things like that, they were leaving, you know. And it was really very sad because those were the last people that the country needed to be losing. Do you know what I mean? And my whole desire of even having gone to America to study was so that I could come back home, you know, and contribute to the development you know, of, the, of the nation. And for a while there, that's how it was. And you can just imagine if the majority of those of us who are abroad were in Zimbabwe right now, would that place be still the way that it is right now? I actually seriously don't think so. And everybody agrees, you know, to you know, to that. So unfortunately, it was more you know, out of the economics that were not really. Be, you know, uh, panning out to be conducive, and that's really what forced at least myself. I can only speak for myself. You know, to 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 leave because at the end of the day, I was also partly helping. You know, to look after my family, and if I couldn't do that in a reasonable way, then it meant I had to now make this decision and sacrifice to leave just so that I could be able to take care of them. Do do you know what I mean? So it it was not a very uh, easy decision, you know, for me personally, you know, to take, but I I just had to, I had to.
0: Yeah, you know, brain drain, just the topic of brain drain is very, I'd say contentious because you know you 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 would love for people to stay mm-hmm. in their home countries, but when you you know when you're talking about the environment not being conducive, it really uh, makes it difficult. Especially when you do have those commitments mm-hmm. to you know your family and to look after um, you know you've got commitments to look after other people, and you have to make it happen. And mm-hmm. you know making that hard decision. Mm-hmm. Um I can imagine it's not it's not easy.
1: No, no it's not and it it just ends up just uh disrupting you know your, your life basically because at the end of the day one also wants to settle down. You know, one wants to build a home, one wants to, you know, have a family, you know, besides just looking after, you know, the the the, the family members that you that you have. But um you end up making decisions that, you know, maybe benefit you in one area, but then in another area, it doesn't benefit you. But I guess, you know, that's just life, isn't it? You know, you, you, you take, you win some, you lose some, like they say. Um, And it's, it's not a, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing, you know, to do, but uh, here we are.
0: Yeah. So when you left Zim, that's when you, that's when you arrived in the UK or did you go back
1: to the States and then... No, I came to the UK And in actual fact I was supposed to be in transit <laughs> So you could That's say That's a long transit <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is Absolutely There was a movie made A few years ago With Tom Hanks I don't know if you remember That movie I can't remember the title Of the way he was stuck At an airport You know, he couldn't even Get out of the airport Or whatever And he literally made it, You know, his life Living in the airport I just kind of feel like I have been in this Transit position for all these years but um funnily every time i tried to make moves to either you know return you know to go back to Zim, you know now when i look back it's almost like god was blocking it you know at the time i didn't realize it do you know what i mean because anytime i would try to to see if i could you know go back home because when i came here i actually you know i started off in dublin you know, in, in, in Ireland, you know, because I had gone for a, a youth Christian conference. And then from there, after it was done, I then went to uh, a friend. I had a friend who lives in Scotland. She's from Zimbabwe, but she had settled down in, in Scotland. And so she said, oh, why don't you come and, you know, check it out, you know, over here. And she was really lonely at the time because there was not a lot of Zimbabweans, you know, who, who were there. So I went to Scotland and I was with her. And then I found myself registering for school. So which is how I then earned my HNC in health, fitness and exercise, because, you know, the issues of exercise have always been something that I had, you know, wanted to do, not so much to take it to university level, but just to have a bit, you know, of a background, you know, in in that. So they had this um, amazing, you know, um, program at uh, uh, Aberdeen College, which is in Aberdeen right at the northern part of you know uh, uh, Scotland almost a hop skip and a jump to the North Pole because it's right by the North Sea so I was you going to even... say isn't that cold as well <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I end up finding myself in all these freezing cold places when cold is not my favorite thing. Even the winter in Zimbabwe, as mild as it is, for me, it was like near death. But um, yeah, so I found myself there and I just stayed there just for two years. And I said, people, I love you, but I got to go. So um, that's that's how I then uh, ended up here in, uh, in in England
0: okay okay so we you are a mindset transformation coach mm-hmm. but you just explained that you know you had you have this interest in you know the physical body and the physicality and exercise but how did you and why did you make that transition from you know just that physical aspect to a mindset transformation coach
1: i'm glad you asked that question I found something very interesting when I, was a, um, I started off as a gym instructor in the gyms, you know, after I uh, had my certificate, and then I became a, a manager in, in, a, in a particular gym in, in Surrey, um, where they actually started a program. I was the initiator of a program of having a women's only gym. Um, that's sort of like a whole long story, you know, on its own. But then when I then started moving into, and as I used to train people and I used to love aerobics, you know, as well, I was an aerobics instructor. So, um, but then I found it quite interesting that when I was doing work with people in, in the gym, I would always have a conversation with them, you know, and I always talk to them because one thing that I had learned, you know, about our physicality is that it all starts from the mind. It all starts here, even though people kind of sometimes don't make the connection, but it really does. So once you sort out what's happening in the mind, pretty much really the body follows through, you know, because the the, the brain in the head, that is the central engine of the whole body. So once you make a decision to sort yourself up, up here, everything else will, you know, will follow through. So when I was uh, working in the gym, and especially particularly with women, you know, I would always hear women say, oh, you know, I just want to lose just the the belly fat, you know, or I just want to tone just my thighs, you know, or I just want to tone my my bum, and that's it. And so from my, you know, education, you know, doing the HNC program, you know, we had learned that, as we all know, the body is a whole system. You know, you don't get to, to chop and change, you know, or you don't get to what I call spot train. You know, it doesn't work like that, you know, because the body is a whole system. It's, it's a whole engine. Everything is connected to everything. So I began to think and to realize that it's not just about the physical exercise. Because now when I became a personal trainer, because I began, became a personal trainer where I was actually running my own business mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, doing, you know, private personal training sessions with people. And so I realized that when you actually help people to come to terms with, with what's happening with them mentally, then the physical aspect just comes following through. Because I would say to people, OK, look, anybody. In my estimation, anybody can lose weight. Anybody can lose weight. The key and the issue and the problem is keeping it off. Because as a personal trainer, I would tell my clients that, look, I can build you a fantastic 12 or 16 week program. And for the next 12 or 16 weeks that you and I are together, you will get your results. My concern is not the 12 or 16 weeks. My concern is what happens to you after you leave me. What happens after the 12 weeks? What happens after the 16 weeks? That is where the key is. And you found that people would rivet back to their old habits. And not only does that weight come back, but it comes back twice more. Because the body is a very sophisticated piece of equipment. It's very clever. You know, once you start to starve it, once you start to exercise, it holds on. And that's why sometimes people wonder why they take so long to lose the weight. is because the body doesn't want to get rid of it. So it's trying to find places throughout your body to hide. So that's why when you do a whole body workout, you attack everything from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Because if you only work out half your body, the fact, the, the, the the challenges are going to go to the other half, isn't it? It only just makes sense. So if you think about it, if you just target, just work it, Out working out your belly, where do you think that stuff that you're trying to get rid of in your belly is gonna go? It's gonna go to the rest of the body. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, that's not how it works. Because think about it, when you eat, does the food only go just to your belly? Exactly. It goes everywhere. And so obviously the reverse is also true. If you attack Mm -hmm. the whole body, it's also going to go from everywhere. So like, I begin to my mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, first of all,
0: I don't like exercise. I'll just say I not, know. Okay. I'm <laughs> not li- like don't. I don't get excited. Like, I don't understand when people say, oh my God, I'm excited. I'm going to <laughs> exercise. No, no, no. I'll go and exercise because I have to. I don't, I don't <laughs> like it. So now I'm like wondering, how do I get past, like, how do I get my mind to
1: I don't know if it's enjoy or just be able to deal with exercise. Okay. That is where mindset work comes in. You see, because then my first question is, what has been your thinking and your relationship with the whole concept of exercise? What even has been your relationship with food? People actually don't realize that they're supposed to have a relationship with food. And some people who do have a relationship with food, it's an unhealthy relationship with food. So once we deal with that and you begin to treat food, first of all, as fuel, that's what food is. Food is supposed to be fuel. I will never forget my very, very first client as a personal trainer. When I asked her that question and I said, what do you think about food? what is your relationship with food? And her exact words without missing a beat was like, food is meant to be demolished. <laughs> and at the back of my mind, I was thinking that is where we have a problem. You know, that's exactly yeah, where demolished. we <laughs> wow. Yes, that was the word she used. I have never forgotten that. She said, food is meant to be demolished. And I'm thinking to myself, that is not a healthy way of looking, you know, looking at food. And that's why she was struggling with this weight that she had, you know, on Mm -hmm. her, but it wasn't even just the physical weight. It was a mental weight that she had. And in talking to her, in having conversations with her, I discovered that when she was young, because she was the last born in a family of about eight or nine, she would always have the least amount of food in her family. So when she grew, anything she she came in contact with, she would eat just so that she would not be hungry because she remembered those days when she used to be hungry. Now, this is somebody who had never put or made a correlation Between that experience she had had and Mm -hmm. why she was struggling with her weight, so Mm -hmm. I always used to tell people, Your problem is not always food, yeah. Because some people, some women would come to me and say, Well, but I don't eat a lot, you know, I'm eating salads, you know, and I'm eating, I don't eat a lot of food, and I'm saying, No, it's not about what you're eating, it's about how you are eating what you're Mm -hmm. eating and your mentality behind when you eat so once we start to tackle that once we start to deal with those issues then you start to look at food completely differently you even begin to understand how your body from a physiological point of view deals with food because i gave an example you know i always give an example to say you can have identical twins okay they are identical twins they look exactly the same They are the exact same size and you can put a plate of food with the exact amount of food on the plate and they could both consume it. However, their physiology is different. The way that one twin is going to process that food is completely different from the next twin. So you cannot say, oh, but I'm eating exactly the same amount of food that my sister is eating. No, your physiology is different the way your body breaks that food down, the way your body distributes that food, the way your body uses up more than, you know, of one thing than somebody else is completely Mm -hmm. different. Mm. So when you help people to understand that, then they begin to know and realize and see where their challenges are. Because you and I can sit in front and have a plate of rice, chicken and vegetables, right? But then Mm. you find that, your body will process that food a lot differently than me. You may not gain weight from that kind of food, but I will. So I have to understand that. I have to now put that into consideration to say, you know what? I can't get away with what Shulu gets away with, even if we are blood sisters. And you have to appreciate that. And once that starts working in your mind, then you really start to build and develop a healthy relationship with your food. So I moved away from just working in the gym because I said to myself, I think I'm being more effective. And I found myself being more passionate about every area of people's lives because I'm like, okay, yes, we can deal with the, with the health and the nutrition, but what about the rest of the person? You know, sometimes people are struggling in the choices and decisions that they are making in their lives to move their lives to a certain you know, to a certain goal or towards a particular goal. And they don't understand why they are either hitting roadblocks, why they are not, you know, jumping through, you know, certain hoops. What are the limiting self-beliefs that they have about themselves? For them to even come to a point of realizing that, oh my gosh, this is actually a limiting self-belief. What is a limiting self-belief? You know, so I I found that I was, I, I you know, that, aspect of training people so I always say now I am a mindset gym instructor (laughs) because really the work that I do is not even about giving people answers that's not my job my job is really to help you to extract those answers from Mm. yourself because the answers are already inside of you you just need help Mm. in decluttering all the stuff that may be happening, all the stuff that may be going on. And we find that sometimes we, we put these labels on things, you know, things like, you know, procrastination, um, mm. uh, boredom or, you know, anxiety and things like that. There is always a root cause and that root cause is well inside of each and every single one of us, but how to bring that up. Because when we do, whether it's cultural barriers, whether it's social barriers or whatever, you will now be able to find a way to navigate those things because you are now thinking from a completely different set of patterns of thinking than the ones that were already inside of you. That's why it's called mindset. My question is, what is your mind set on and we need to undo and unpack that setting so that your mind will start to now think and make decisions on a different pattern Mm -hmm. of set terms and and, and terminology Mm
0: -hmm. girl after the year we just had i know as an entrepreneur and a leader things got real lonely really fast uncertainty has become the order of the day and yet we must continue to not only survive but thrive so as a leader who do you turn to to fill your cup to give you inspiration to teach you and to mentor you we have created a community just for this very reason to support each other to hold each other accountable and to be each other's cheerleaders. This group is called the Africana Woman Visionaries because we're looking past the storm and are focused on the vision we have for our companies and the African continent. Join the Africana Women Visionaries free Facebook group to learn more. Now back to the conversation. So, you know, on the Africana Woman podcast, we talk a lot about culture and Mm -hmm. how, um, you know, there's so much that we celebrate in our African culture, you know, Mm -hmm. our hair, our music, art, Mm -hmm. all of those things. But then there are also some things which um, can be limiting, can be, um, what's the word? What word do I want to use? That kind of um, hold people back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think people don't necessarily realize that the culture is doing that to them, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's just been a normal thing. That's just what they've grown up with and how, mm-hmm. you know, that's just their environment. They're just used mm-hmm. to it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is, in the context of trying to understand um, you know, what's going on with the decluttering and they, someone doesn't necessarily um, have access to working with you, what type of steps can someone take to, to begin to identify um, those root causes or even just to um, have the understanding that,
1: oh, there may be something going on? That's the key right there. The very first step, is to first of all acknowledge that there's a problem. Because until somebody accepts that there is an issue, then they are not going to be able to gravitate towards the answers to those issues. I give an example of an alcoholic. You know, they have what's called uh, AA meetings, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, right? Now, people go to AA meetings when they have come to a point where they realize that something needs to change, but that realization comes from them. See, if I am an alcoholic, but everybody else is telling me that I'm an alcoholic and I don't see myself as an alcoholic, I'm not gonna go to AA meetings. I am not going to go to AA meetings because I don't yet identify the issue as an issue. Because that's where you find people making all kinds of excuses. Oh, I can stop whenever I want, or I can regulate it, or I'm on top of it. I can, you know, uh, uh, judge when I've had more, too much more than I need to have, blah, blah, blah. Those are all nothing but just excuses. But it's because there's actually a mental block in the person's head. Until something happens or until a person gets to that point where they literally crash and burn. And sometimes it's unfortunate, but people have to come to a point where they do crash and burn. Because when you try to stop, it's like trying to stop a runaway train. You really can't. You know, once it's on, you just have to let it go. Just like a storm. Once a storm rises, you have to let the storm ride until it crashes itself. Hmm. That's why they say waves crash. You cannot stop them once they start. So the issue initially is to get to that point where somebody, first of all, admits, because I've had clients that would come to me and they say, Mm -hmm. okay, I, I think I need, you know, coaching. I'm like, okay, well, why do you think you need coaching? Oh, because of A, B, C, D, and I'm, you know, trying to do this, but I can't do that. And I'm thinking, okay, so what would you say is your issue? And in a lot of cases, sometimes they are thinking, I should be telling them what the issue is. And I'm saying, I don't live in your brain, (laughs) you know. You need to tell me where you are having a problem because until you have identified the problem, there is no point and it's not gonna help you for me to even, I won't actually even be able to develop the steps that will help you to get to your intended goal. But then you need to come to a point where you say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. And I actually cannot do it by myself. This is a problem for me. So now when you're looking at cultural issues, um, without trying to trivialize or minimize that, our culture, I'm sure you'll agree with me and your listeners might agree with me when I say culture and traditions are transient. They evolve. The way our great grandparents used to do life is completely different from how we are doing life even though we are still respecting some not all some of the cultures and the traditions that they put in place for us but the process of changing culture the process of evolving our traditions can be very difficult and it can take quite some time but it doesn't mean it's not possible so once people can accept that because the problem with culture and traditions is that some people are such sticklers you know and they feel such a an attachment it's almost like wired inside of them it's literally written in our dna mm-hmm. but do you know that we have got the ability and the power to unprogram the programs that have been put inside of us, even in that DNA. Mm -hmm. Are they not talking about- I call those
0: people the gatekeepers. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the gatekeepers of culture that are just like, this is just the way it is. It's always been like this. It's not
1: changing. We don't want it to change, the gatekeepers. But look at it. You were once five years old. No, you were once five minutes old, five seconds old then you were five minutes old, then you were five days, five weeks, five months, five years. All those stages required change. Even when you are feeding your child, I always use the analogy of saying, it is a foolish mother, a foolish mother who has a 10 or 12 year old child. You have cooked the food, you have dished the food, You have put the food on a plate. You have even put the plate on the table. You have instructed the child to come sit down and eat. And the child sits in front of the plate and is still crying and complaining that they are hungry. And the foolish mother picks up the spoon and begins to feed this 10 or 12-year-old child. What are you teaching that child? What favors are you doing, that child? Because you are not equipping them to be able to handle life in the next stage. The world has evolved. Our cultures and traditions need to evolve with the times. I'm not saying we cast away and we completely abandon our cultures and our traditions, because our cultures and our traditions make us who we are. That's what gives us our identity. However, our identity must continue to evolve in order to meet up the standards of life the way the world is operating. Now, the world is a global market. You are sitting in Zambia, I am sitting right here in the UK. 20, 30 years ago, we couldn't have imagined this happening. Right? But we had the telephone. But then we didn't have the mobile phone where I can be talking to you and I'm doing my shopping in Sainsbury's. I would have to wait until I come and sit by a phone that had a, a, a long wire next to it. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. The one that goes around. Some people don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> not at all, not at all. You had to memorize phone numbers. I remember having to memorize all these phone numbers, but you don't need to do that anymore now, you know? So what am I saying? That we cannot continue to use our cultures and our traditions really as excuses. Mm, you excuses. are doing... Oh, I like that. You can yes, that again. yes. And it is excuses because I'm not saying that we abandon it, but that culture or tradition, you can find a way to either work around it or quote unquote modernize it in order for you to be able to sustain yourself in the world that we are now living in. Mm, mm. if somebody decides to say well i don't want to have a mobile phone because i am so used to the to the landline well guess what the world is going to be moving forward and you're going to be left behind Mm. that's just a fact of life so sometimes it's about getting to a stage in our lives where we accept things the way that they are becoming because i am also in the process of becoming something or somebody Mm. Look, I started with a, you know, university degree in systems management. And yet right now I am so far removed from that. You would be actually shocked that I even did that degree. Right. But it only prepared me or it helped to prepare me so that even if I don't practice in the industry, I can still be able to be functioning and find a way to still navigate the world even with the background that I have. Mm. And these are the choices that I think as not only as as people, but especially as women, and especially, again, as African women, seeing how our cultures and our traditions tend to bind us more. It's very interesting that it's only us women who tend to be talking about the issues of culture and tradition, to be very honest with you, because I've sat down Mm. and had conversations with African men. And in a lot of cases, it's not culture and tradition that stops them from doing the things that they want to do. Mm. why is that
0: <laughs> well i mean I, I feel like the culture is um biased towards them so you know it's perfectly normal it's perfectly comfortable i'd rather say
1: and mm-hmm. you know things are fine, so it's good for them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know but then the thing is it it shouldn't be like that Chulu. Mm-hmm. I am not saying that things should be 50-50. You know, when I was younger, I used to say, oh, yeah, 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 things must be. No, 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 no. That's not real. That's not practical. But things must be such that the balance of the scales, even if they are not completely equal, because men and women were different. Come on, let's just be real and practical.
0: Mm-hmm. OK,
1: because when I'm kind of having that time at the end of the month and the man is over there and looking at me like, what on earth is your problem? I need to know how to navigate that. That's not his job or his responsibility. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. things can never be completely and totally equal. However, and especially in the work environment, we are now living in a world where women and men can compete and complete each other on an equal footing. And we have to help not only ourselves as women, but even our our male counterparts Mm -hmm. to come along this journey with us. It's not about us saying, oh no, we don't need men. We're just going to do things on our own. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. And if there's women who do that, well, you know, more power to you. But it's it's just not going to work because the truth of the matter is we need each other. Yeah, Men Mm. need women in as much as women need men. God did not make a mistake by making us to be the way that we are. And we, in actual fact, we end up maximizing the power of who we are when we work, you know, in a synergistic way. Mm -hmm. When we try to butt heads and fight one another, you will, then the male is not getting the best out of me. And I'm also not able to get the best out of him because when I'm able to get the best out of him, I become a better version of myself. And when he is able to get the best out of me for him, he becomes a better version of himself. I am not meant to be a better version of myself all by myself. That's just the facts. So when we accept what the facts and the truth are and not fight that, but work in that, trust Mm. me, the world becomes an oyster.
0: So beautifully said. (laughs) <laughs> love that um I, you know that we're almost coming to time I but know <laughs> I, I have I guess my um my concluding question around this particular topic is what would it look like in a family unit you know um because I think the for me I feel like the easiest way that change can happen is to start from the home you know yeah. um So in a a family setting, if you're sitting there thinking, okay, I've got my children, you know, there's my husband, what can it look like to, you know, talk about culture and then um, to evolve your culture as a family? Okay.
1: Um, I can only use the example of my background because I don't have any, uh, any children and I'm not married. However, um, But then I've got quite a lot of godchildren, nieces, nephews, and things like that. What I would say, now, maybe some people may not, you know, necessarily agree with me, you know, on this. And I'm not saying this is the only solution that is out there available. However, I also am of the opinion that let's try everything that is out there until we find something that works. It's easy for people sometimes to knock an idea before they have even tried. They've just thought about it. And in their minds, they think that it is not going to work. Again, this is where mindset work comes in because my question to people is, it's not so much a question, but a comment that you can't always think that just because that's what your mind has conjured up, that's how it is going to be. So coming back to your question about family dynamics and how you know we can do with culture, I think one of the things is Again, I always say to moms, you know, mothers are very close to their sons as much as fathers tend to be close to their daughters. Now, particularly with mothers, I always say, you are responsible for the husband I am going to have. As a mother wow. to a son, you are responsible for the husband that somebody is going to have as a as, as, as a husband as, and as a father so as a mother who is raising a son how are you impacting and what kind of information are you inputting into that child so that they grow up to be the husband that is going to give you mom glory and grace because, see, it always, again, in our culture, it always comes back to the parents. I don't know about where you were growing up, but anytime time I was being identified, I was never identified by my name. Mm-hmm. I was always identified as Soren So's child. Mm-hmm. And what that is actually saying is that however this child is acting and behaving is based on how she was raised and the messages that she was given when she was a child.
0: Mm, mm.
1: so my question always is what are you inputting into the life of that child mm-hmm. that will help them to grow up to be the person that you want for them to be because it's within your power you know it is within your power those first formative years of a child are within your power because you are you've been given the responsibility by God almighty to help to shape and form this child in the Bible, in the book of Samuel, when Hannah was crying out for a child, who did she go to? She went to God. Mm. And when God then promised her a child, she asked, how should I raise this child? Because God meant for Samuel to become the most prominent and most powerful prophet and priest Israel had ever had in the history of that nation. But it was Hannah's responsibility to the point that when she had weaned this child, she had to go and leave Samuel at the temple. Now you can imagine how difficult that was for Hannah because first of all, this was her first child and she had not had a child ever. And now she's having to go and leave this child somewhere else. But because of her obedience, God honored her and gave her five more children. So what I'm saying is that when we take responsibility for where we are now, we are responsible for the future. And whatever things may not have been done either properly, because we we cannot blame our parents. Our parents worked with what they had. They knew what they knew and they didn't know what they didn't know. Now, in my household, I'm the uh, second eldest. I've got an older half-sister, but in my home, I was the oldest. And then I have a a younger brother who's four years younger than me and a a younger sister. I don't remember any time that my brother and I were hearing contradictory messages in terms of saying, oh, Vui, you do this, but your brother can't do that. When I had to clean the house, trust me, my brother also had to clean the house. When I had to do the dishes, my brother also had to do the dishes. When I was being taught to cook, my brother was also being taught to cook to the point that my brother is actually a better cook than me today. So it starts from little things like that, not giving contradictory messages to children in the home strictly because of the agenda. Now I can give you a complete opposite uh, example of a friend who has got two boys and two girls. Now, I, I saw something very interesting one time we were, you know, at a gathering at a church gathering and we were, you know, receiving food and. <laughs> this boy, I asked him and I said, oh, are you not going to go and get your food? And he said, oh, my sister is going to get it for me. And he's talking about his younger sister, not even his older sister. He's talking about his younger sister. And I'm talking about a girl who was probably like about seven, eight, nine years old who's supposed mm. to be getting this 12, 13-year-old a plate to eat. So I say to him, hang on a second, why are you waiting for your sister to get you your plate? Should you not be getting a plate for your sister because she is younger? And she said, oh, he said, oh no, that's not what my mom tells me to do at the house.
0: Mm.
1: It's, it's her job. Mm. This is a 12-year-old who is telling me it's his 8-year-old sister's job to bring him a plate of food. Now, already, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But again, when you listen to how he speaks, you know that he already is being conditioned mm-hmm. to believe and to think that him as a boy, he it is a privilege that his sister doesn't enjoy that same privilege. Mm-hmm. And right there, right inside the home, I think a dichotomy is already being created. Mm -hmm. Because he's not only just going to behave like this in the house, he's going to carry it through to school. He's going to carry it through to his friends. He's going to carry it through to his house when he gets married. So really the onus is on us or on those who are raising children today or even having children today to say, even if things have maybe not worked out the way that we would want them to work out right now for us. However, we have an opportunity to instill difference in our children. Even in respecting our culture and our traditions, it's very important to respect our cultures and our traditions, but let's not use our cultures and our traditions to keep people pressed down just because of gender because that is actually detrimental to society as a whole not just for the home not just for the individual because as individuals we are also part not only of a family we're part of a community we're part of our neighbors where we live and we're part of the society that we live in so if we are coming into society with all these ideas that don't serve the good of that society to help that society to rise, then we need to look from within. And that would be my response, you know, to to that answer. I don't know if it's...
0: You know, I've got so many other questions like are coming up, but... I will not allow, which simply means that you need to come back. That's all it Oh is. my gosh. <laughs> That's all it is. So oh, oh God, see. it has been a fantastic conversation. Absolutely. So in the Africana woman community, we have a saying, which is know your roots, okay. grow your purpose. Mm-hmm. and I have some quick fire questions for you and it's just four of them so just tell me whatever comes to mind when I ask mm-hmm. you the question you okay. ready sure yes I okay. am cool so number one what are you rooted
1: to I am rooted to my faith mm. in God That is my first and main root. I am rooted in God. I am rooted in the word of God. I am rooted in the Bible because for me, that's what dictates and determines everything that I do in my life.
0: Great. So number two, what are your favorite ways to nourish your soul, your body and your mind? Oops. Oh, dear. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, so to nourish my soul, I, I love to read. I love reading. Um, I also love to, to listen to particular talks that really not only minister to my spirit, but also enable me to develop and grow. as as a person, I always want to be growing and I like hanging around people that encourage that environment of growth. So for me, that's how I nourish, you know, my, my, my soul, how I nourish my body. Um, I will be very honest. I'm not always consistent, even though I am a nutrition advisor. (laughs) it's not always that I follow my own advice, I'm only human (laughs) y'all. But um, I love eating fruit, you know, because one thing I do understand is the issue of, you know, maintaining my, my health. So for me, my health, I, I nourish it by, you know, what I eat and how I eat what I eat. Water is another thing that is really very big in how I try to, to nourish my, my my body. And to nourish my, what's the other, the third one, sorry? Your mind. My mind. Engaging in conversations like this,
0: Mm.
1: I love to have stimulating conversations because I learn again, you know, I, I like to be around people or listening to people who think a lot higher and a lot deeper. It's not just about being deep for the sake of being deep, but it's about being, you know, getting to that level of depth that encourages me to grow and become a better version of VUI than I am today.
0: Awesome. Okay, so number 3. Do you have a weakness that became your superpower?
1: Ooh a weakness that became my superpower. Well, I think running my mouth. I always say to people, I think I was born talking. When some babies came out uh, crying, me, I came out talking. And I have been talking. uh, Every time I remember my mom, she always used to whinge, whine, and complain about how noisy it is in the house because I'm always talking. I'm always shouting. I even used to have like, remember the days of boom boxes. I don't know if you even know that they used to be boom boxes. But my dad had so graciously bought me a boom box and my mother regretted it. But I used to love to have music around. So for me, yep, yep, yep. That's why I even went and majored in what? Communications. (laughs) So, but then I have turned it around to be my superpower, you know, because this is how now I make a living, basically.
0: (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Okay, and the last question: what do you know for sure?
1: What do I know for sure? I know for sure that God loves me. Mm. I know for sure that I am created in his image and likeness and whatever I set my mind to do, I can achieve it.
0: Ah, it has been an absolute pleasure i love talking to you like i say you've got like this amazing energy that just spills over and you know what let us know um let the audience know how can they contact you how do they find you and what are you working on how if somebody wants to work with you how how do we go about that
1: well, basically I am on Facebook. I must say I don't actually really use my Facebook very much in terms of promoting, you know, the work that I do and things like that, but you can find me Facebook, Vui Nemapare. You can message me on Messenger. You know, that's how uh, I get, you know, quite a, a few of my clients. I'm also on LinkedIn. I've had quite a few people uh, reaching out to me via LinkedIn under my name, Vui Nemapare. I'm also on Instagram. My Instagram handle is one, Divine lifestyle because I intend on living a divine lifestyle. So, um, those are the avenues. And of course, you know, emailing me at balanceyourlife at gmail.com.
0: Fantastic. All right. So thank you so much. I I can't even say thank you enough, but thank you so much for coming through to the Africana Woman Podcast and just blessing us with your wisdom.
1: (laughs) God bless you. Thank you so much. I hope I was making sense and I hope I shared something (laughs) that somebody could take even just one tiny smidgen and it will be of help. But I've really enjoyed this. I love, you know, chatting with you as well. You are so good at asking such Questions that really make me to dig deep. (laughs) I've I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. It's very, very grateful.
0: Well, I must ask, what is your mind set on? Remember, we're talking about health. So how healthy is your mind? What do you think about most? What are you focused on? Are you obsessed about something? Because that sure ain't healthy. I... You know, think about how are you influencing and socializing the next generation? Like, what what are you telling them to be thinking about? Friend, when she said, as a woman of a male child, you are responsible for the husband someone will have. That hit me deep. Because I'm a mother of a male child. And I am so mindful about teaching him to never doubt the greatness within him. And... That his light should not dim someone else's shine, especially a woman. He is a vessel that empowers those around him and not domineers. Now that's just me. I don't know what you want your legacy to be. Girl, get your mind in check. Please do share what you took away from this conversation. I love your feedback. And find Vui on social media at Divine Lifestyle. Tell her that you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast. Give her roses today. Thank you so much for making us part of your day by listening in. I truly appreciate you. Now, you know, my playground is Instagram and you can find me at Chulu by design. If you want to chat with me and, you know, just drop me a line. So until next week, I want you to remember, know your roots, grow your purpose. This has been a production of Olendo Creative Media. You can find out more about their services on www.olendocreative.com.